Sadly, this is what home sounds like for many of America's heroes. During this crisis, many veterans are living on the street, sleeping on nothing more than cardboard. You can help. Donate at cardboardtoheadboard.org. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Fangirl Playbook. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, joined as always by my co-host, Stephanie McCarroll. On today's episode, we break down all things NFL. It's just about time for Week 13, but not before we get that Ravens-Steelers Week 12 matchup. From the 49ers' new home to the AFC Norris any given Wednesday to the marquee matchups of the week, we have lots to discuss. Then we're off to Dylan for How Did I Get Here, which frankly feels pretty on brand for 2020. Clear eyes, full hearts, let's go. All right, Steph, much, much, much to discuss. We are heading into week 13 of the NFL. This would say, I would say this past week was probably the most difficult for the NFL just in terms of COVID and what we've seen this season. There were a number of things that happened uh, in that arena that I think we should discuss. First of all, let's talk about this Baltimore-Pittsburgh game that is supposed to take place tomorrow. Uh, I bring it up. Well, first of all, it's a big game and a really important game for Baltimore. But this was a game that last week during this podcast, we talked about how Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins had tested positive for COVID. And so they were supposed to miss the Thursday Thanksgiving game. In the ensuing hours since we recorded and days it was revealed that, I mean, not revealed, but more and more and more positive tests came back from the Ravens. And so the game yeah. was moved to Sunday. Then the game was moved again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now apparently the game will be played tomorrow, Wednesday, you know, and as I always say on any given Wednesday, anything can happen. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it'll be a big game in that way uh, for the Ravens. Obviously, it's, it's a very important game for them, but you know, Lamar Jackson is on the COVID-19 list. Uh, I think they may have Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins back. Uh, but, you know, there's just quite uh, – it, it's just a lot going on there. And it was a big thing for the NFL. And it was interesting. A lot of people kind of wanted to know what, why we they didn't cancel it and move it to, like, this week 18. But the NFL really – really mm-hmm. wanted this game to be played. Uh, so they are, in yeah. theory, playing it tomorrow. Uh, and, you know, we saw this with the Titans uh, earlier in the season where there were a number of positive tests and the game was getting postponed. And then they went out and they played on a Tuesday and they really had had no practice time and they just absolutely dominated their game. But the – Ravens are going to be playing a very, very tough Pittsburgh team that is still undefeated. Uh, so, and this, you know, I think this takes right. its toll on both teams. I did, it definitely takes its toll on both teams. Uh, so yeah, it's just kind of interesting to me that literally a week ago we were talking about this game and they still haven't played it. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, I, I, it was hard to really understand you know, the rhyme or reason of why some games get pushed back and some don't. But at the same time, you know, seeing everything that's happened, you know, with Denver and this game. But I think everybody's been wanting to see this game because it's um, it's obviously important to both sides. But it's, you know, 
they all they both want an equal shot at it because these are contenders and with the number one seed every single game matters so i you know i get it you know i understand why they really want to play it yeah we'll we'll see so hopefully it seems like it'll be safe to play it tomorrow um and yeah the nfl just did not want to enact that week 18 situation so there we go you brought up denver so their entire quarterback room got COVID and really, by the way, a good example that if you don't follow the recommendations and protocols, this can happen. And that is what happened in the Denver quarterback room. And they literally had no quarterback. So Kendall Hilt Hinton, Ken, I'm saying his name totally wrong. So I'm going to look it up, but I want to say it's Kendall. Yes. Kendall Hinton. (laughs) So I guess I did not say it totally wrong. I wanted to make him a Hilton there for a second, but Kendall Hinton came up off the practice squad. He was a wide receiver. He played quarterback. It went about as well as you would imagine it would, but you know, I mean, you got to give the guy credit. And you also, (laughs) I have to say the Broncos social media team was also really a plus last week. They really had a lot of fun with this. They did a great job. They had some, Really funny tweets. They had a great tweet after the game, you know, essentially like giving him respect because, I mean, it it was also a really good lesson for everybody who at home talks about this one's so bad or that one's so bad or I could play it or nope, nope, can't, no, you can't, no, you can't. Professional athlete, (laughs) elite athlete. I don't care. I would imagine anybody, in my opinion, who's actually playing in the NFL is an elite athlete. So I'm going to go ahead and say, he is an elite athlete, and he just got thrown in there. And like I said, it went about as well as you would think it would. But kudos to him for getting it done. It's yeah, hard. It's hard. I mean, I don't think people – they're like, oh, yeah, you you know, I, I could have made that throw. And I joke, yeah. you know, but I can't. <laughs> oh, don't sell yourself short, Steph. You never know. I mean, maybe one in like a thousand. Maybe, 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 but, maybe one in a thousand, possibly. Maybe, possibly. Uh, the Broncos, of course, did lose the game 31 to three. And the guy, he was one for nine with yeah. 13 yards and two interceptions. But I still don't care. You get called up from the practice squad on Saturday. You're a wide receiver. And you're like, guess what? You're starting quarterback tomorrow. Yeah. I give him a lot of credit just for being there. So uh, that was pretty incredible. But that was a big deal. And it's brought up this conversation of should, you know, you quarantine for a quarterback. And uh, Kyle Shanahan was actually asked about that this morning. And he said that it, like, I guess Jarek McKinnon is the the emergency quarterback, um, even though Kyle Uschek would like it to be him. Uh, but he said you can't you, – it's just one of those situations <laughs> like you can't really quarantine a quarterback. Like if you end up in that situation, it's going to go – I mean, it's going to go probably how it went. <laughs> and that's just the way – it's kind of the way it goes. But, you know, what a season. And this is just a weird year, and we're never we're never going to see anything else like it. And speaking of Kyle Shanahan and this, you know, very bizarre 2020 season, the San Francisco 49ers leave tomorrow for Arizona – For their new home, Santa Clara County announced the other day that they were prohibiting all contact sports until at least December 21st, and the 49ers found this out as they were getting ready to come to Los Angeles to play the Rams. So that means no practicing in Santa Clara. That means no playing in Santa Clara. Another sort of wrinkle, so to speak, is if you were to leave the area and be out more than 150 miles, you have to quarantine for 14 days when you come back, which means the 49ers are gone the next three weeks. So they leave for Arizona tomorrow. 
Uh, they will be playing at State Farm Stadium. They have a Monday night game. And then the following Sunday, the Cardinals play at State Farm on this Sunday, so it won't conflict with the Monday night game. And then the next week, uh, they're away. So it's it's kind of a crazy situation, a difficult situation. I mentioned the Broncos social media, both the Cardinals and 49ers social media having a little fun with this too, which I think is good because it's obviously a very situation as to the reasoning why they have to do this. But and it's difficult, obviously, on the team, but it's good they can have a little bit of fun. But you know, Shanahan said today you're it's the entire operation that's going. And that doesn't just mean players and coaches. So you think about all these people in the organization that have to leave their families for three weeks. It's really hard. It's it's a really hard situation. And the guys that are rehabbing have to go because Levi Stadium, it's just, the whole facility shut down. Yeah. So um, that is crazy and not something that we really thought we'd see. Mm-hmm. But here we are in this very interesting 2020 season. So that's going to be uh, very interesting. It will see how, you know, how it affects them. He made it, he said that they're going to take this week to kind of settle and, and see what everything is and, and how it is. And then they'll adjust from there. But it's um it's not an easy situation and it's i mean the logistics that go into that i can't even imagine no yeah it 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 just seems hard <laughs> very yes. hard and uh <laughs> very hard and he was saying like the hotel basically becomes levi stadium cuz that's where they'll do everything mm-hmm. so their work that's right everything so uh that is that is that and that being said uh the 49ers had a pretty big win the other day they came to LA, they beat the Rams, they now swept the Rams for the season. And this is a 49ers team that is very different than the one that beat the Rams in week six, but they got Richard Sherman back. They had Raheem Mostert back. They had Debo Samuel back. They had Jeff Wilson Jr. back. It is amazing when your starters come back. It is incredible how much better your team can be. Uh, Nick Mullins did not play great, but he got it done when he needed to. And this puts the 49ers in the hunt. Uh, they're five and six at this point. They will start with that game and, and week 13 to take a look at. So they're five and six. They play the Bills. They quote unquote host the Bills on Monday night uh, in Glendale, Arizona. The Bills are a very good football team. I'm very curious to see how this goes. They win on Monday and then things I think get really interesting. Right. So I think, I mean, I just think things get, you know, it's, they're still it's five and six and they're, they're tied with Minnesota and Chicago. I believe Minnesota has the best record in their division of the three teams. Uh, so in theory, they beat the tiebreaker and Minnesota plays Jacksonville this weekend. So this weekend they have a much easier go of it, but you know, any given Sunday, Wednesday, Tuesday, as the case may be right now. Uh, but you know, this does become kind of, it becomes an interesting matchup. So you know, in terms of, of matchups, the 49ers also should have all of their COVID. Everybody's on the COVID list should be off the COVID list, which means you'll have Ayuk, Mostert, and Debo all in the lineup because Ayuk was on the COVID list this past game. So, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on Nick Mullins. And so we'll see how that goes. I think we have a, a general idea of how that goes. But they certainly, you know, looked better the other day. They do seem to have the Rams number. I believe they've now yeah. swept them two years in a row. But, you know, it starts to get it starts to get interesting. So looking at the rest of the NFC, if the playoffs were to start today, which I know they don't, but if they were, the Saints would have the number one seed uh, in the bye. 
then it would be Seahawks, Packers, Giants, because of course the Giants would be winning the NFC East, so they'd get number four, <laughs> even though they have like the worse record than everybody else. Then the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Cardinals, and then the three play three teams there in the hunt, like I said, are Minnesota, Chicago, and the Bills. Big game this weekend between the Rams and the Cardinals uh, at State Farm Stadium. That's going to be a good game. It's going to be great. I'm excited, even though everything seems to be like fly by the seat of your pants changing. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was excited for the Raven Steelers and it still hasn't happened. So. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you've, you've all kinds of great football to look forward to. Uh, and that game. So the Rams are now seven and four, Arizona six and five. You know, if Arizona wins that game, they have a tie, a, a tied record. I mean, I think it looks like Seattle is probably running away with the division and their next three games, I believe they have the giants. And then I think they also have the jets. So they have a much, they have a very easy go of it in the next two weeks, but I think the Seahawks are, are definitely going to take the division. So now it's going to be depending on, on how many teams in that NFC West are actually going to get to the playoffs. So um, that's a, but I think that's probably the biggest, you know, NFC game of the weekend in terms of two, you know, NFC games, but a lot of these games have, you know, a lot of implications, even if they're not quote unquote, great games, they all have implications. For instance, like Jacksonville at Minnesota, which I brought up earlier, it's a really important game for the Vikings. Every game now is a very important game for the Vikings. So they can't take anything for granted. Uh, In the AFC, Cincinnati will be at Miami. Miami currently holds the number six seed in the AFC. So though Cincinnati is not a very good team, these aren't like marquee matchups, but now all these matchups have so many implications. Uh, The Raiders will be playing the Jets. The Raiders are in the hunt. So this becomes, you know, very important for Baltimore with all this upheaval, you know, they're, they're in the hunt as well. Should the playoffs start today, Baltimore would not be in it. The AFC picture at the moment is Steelers one, Chiefs, Titans, Bills, Browns, Dolphins, Colts, and then in the hunt, Baltimore, Las Vegas, and then kind of New England. But I don't know that they're going to be able to catch the other two, but it'll depend. So you have this Baltimore game, then Baltimore plays Tuesday against Dallas. It just, you know, you just never know how all of the upheaval affects each particular team and each player. So going to be kind of uh interesting to see i think that i think it's going to be a tough one playing pittsburgh tomorrow i yeah and, when and I, that's great everything's just like it's surprising it's shocking i think you, you know you see the raiders for example completely i mean fight tough against kc which is a great football team and then turn around and blow it against the Falcons, you know, so it's- and like blow it, like really, <laughs> not even like, not right. even like one of these. What? Oh, it was really close, and <laughs> it was they, they let it get down to a last second field goal, and they miss. I mean, it was just like, did they even go? Did right. they not go to the game? Like, what happened? And and that was probably the worst I've ever seen Derek Carr play. So, who knows what was going on? And I, you know, but some, I feel like there has to be a reason to that, but. That's kind of how football is. It's and that's how why they say any given Sunday. It's it's all about the matchup and it all depends. But just just weird stuff is happening that is shocking. And that's why I think like when you look back and you see the 49ers like last season and win so many games and in a row and start so hot. Mm-hmm. That's why it was so like amazing. That's just not something that is done 
you know, and what the Steelers are doing. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Yes, I would, I would agree with that. Uh, another big marquee matchup this season or this weekend is so the Cleveland Browns who will not have a losing season this year because they have won eight games. Yay. So even if they lose their next five games, they will not have a losing season. They are going to be up against the Titans. And this is a, this is an important game for each of these teams. I think probably especially the Browns, but really a very important game for each of these teams. And, you know, this is one of those opportunities that the Browns can maybe prove. Are they, are they for real? How do you see these two teams matching up against each other? I, you know, I feel like on paper, um, the Browns should be very, very competitive. However, you know, they've not been able to establish their run as well as I would like. And then the Titans are a very good defensive team. So I'm actually going to go with the Titans on this one. And I feel like they, the Browns need to win it, you know, Mm -hmm. if they want to be competitive, but um, I think the Titans have, they're just a really good team. And I, and I just think that all the way around, they have a better matchup against the Browns. And I think they're going to handle it pretty well. I think so too. I think that I actually don't know that this game is going to be all that close. Sorry, Browns fans. <laughs> but may I go back to saying no matter what, hey, they will have a losing go. season this year. <laughs> uh, no matter what happens. But I think uh, – I, I do agree with you. I think the Titans do match up better. They are tough defensively. Derrick Henry is just – Oh, he's just know, Derek, He is a monster. He is, you know, absolutely incredible. And I think when you look up position by position and matchup to matchup, this is just the Titans are a better football team. But – you know, we'll see. It's Cleveland, they're eight and three. How good of an eight and three they are remains to be seen, but they are eight and three. And, and I think that for them is a winner in itself. There are no moral victories in the NFL, but I think that's a, a big, big deal in itself. Um, sure. So from the NFL to Friday night, you know, now that it is any given. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, <laughs> Sunday, right? These days in the NFL, we could say that, you know, Friday Night Lights, it's like any given Friday. Uh, but we have a episode to talk about entitled, How Did I Get Here? And I think that that is something that a number of people on this particular episode are thinking about. Uh, Lila, Jason, and Tim have returned from Mexico just in time for Jason Street's 19th birthday. And it's so funny, every time I watch this episode, I forget that Jason Street is a little bit older than everybody else. And then he's turning 19. And every time I watch this I episode, know, I'm yeah, like, yeah. oh, Jason's turning 19. But that does make sense. He was a senior when he got hurt. And so he was turning 18. And now he's turning 19. So he's starting to think about his life and and what he's doing and what he wants to do. And so he's having a little bit of a, a crisis of sorts in that way. He does come back and coach uh, the Panthers now that Coach Taylor is back for a brief time. But he has a, a birthday party and they take a look at some of his highlights, which I have to say I've always thought was a very strange thing to do at his birthday party considering you know, the situation at hand. Um, but they are, everyone's there and they take a look at his highlights and he, at the end of the party, he gives coach Taylor his highlight film and says, this is great for the young quarterbacks to watch. And he's decided not to coach anymore. He kind of has to figure out who he is and what he wants to do. And he, you know, seeks Lila's advice on it because mm-hmm. he says she's really the only person in the town who is truly 
changing and try to change. Um, she's about to tell him to get involved in the church and he stops her because he's like, that's not what I'm here for. But um, we can see that Jason is starting to have a little bit of a, um, I don't know, identity crisis is the right term, but a little bit kind of, you know, I think the shock of everything has worn off. He's accepted that he's not going to walk again. Mm-hmm. And so what does that mean for his future? You know, who is he? What is he going to do? I think he doesn't want to be stuck in the past and coaching on the Panthers. And I think it's probably also a little bit painful of a, you know, he's never going to forget what happened to him, but kind of a daily reminder of coaching other people. And there's actually a very interesting line that he, when he's coaching and he says to a couple of the players, if you do that, you're going to get your running back killed. You're going to get your quarterback killed. And I think it's an interesting line because there he is the embodiment of the worst that can happen. Yeah. And then he says it, but you know what I mean? Like I just found that really kind of an interesting moment. I don't know if they meant for it to be an interesting moment. I don't know if that was by design, but I don't know. I kind of felt it to be that way. Well, I think he's definitely experiencing, and I think it's perfectly normal, is that, you know, he's kind of has to grieve now. You know, Mm -hmm. there's like denial, you know, there's all these steps, you know, and grief. But what happened to him is pretty catastrophic. And it's, um, you know, obviously life changing. But, you know, when you accept it and you figure out, okay, this is what I have to do now, there's an element of grieving and it's, it's changed, but it's, it's scary. And so, I don't know, I felt, I just feel for him. And I, I don't know, I just, uh, you know, and, and to have that happen to you in high school, you know, be it your senior year or whatever, it just, you know, how it just, it's, it's a big deal. And so I, I'm just like, take whatever time you need, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, snap it, whoever you want. Like, I'm like, I get it, you know? So I don't know. I, I, I just feel for him. Yeah, he's a, it's, it's hard not to feel for him. He's in a, a tough position, but we're going to really see him grow quite, quite a bit over the season and over the coming season. So I'm kind of excited for you guys to, to see that and see where Jason does end up going. Uh, Tim is back, and but of course has missed a week of school, a week of practice. Uh, it feels like they were gone longer, but I guess it's only been a week. <laughs> so he's And so he gets back, and he is just ready – to go back up back on the football field and coach Taylor is like, yeah, not so fast. You left this team. You've been gone. Like you're not on this team right now. And he tells him to get off the field, you know, and that, and that is that. And so, you know, Tim of course goes home and does what Tim does. He drinks. Um, and that's kind of how he, he deals with things and smash comes to coach Taylor because he's in practice getting, you know, hit nonstop. And he says like, I know Tim has been gone and I know he drinks too much. <laughs> he goes through the whole list. It's like all these things, but like, I need him out there. And coach Taylor says like, that'll be taken care of. And, and we'll get to that in a minute. But smash actually goes to Tim's house and invites him to dinner. And, you know, basically like says to him, you've got to get it together and figure out a way back on this team. Cause we need you. And I need you. And we see, you know, these two players who, when the first show first started, the first episode, these two players hated each other. And so we see them continue to bond and truly become teammates and friends. And they just, it, it's, it's a great moment. And mm-hmm. it also is a great moment in showing how everyone 
like they really want him to succeed. And Smash is somewhat selfish, but nonetheless, like he does want him to succeed because then it means he succeeds. So that's um that's important as well. So we see how how that goes and then you know, later in the episode, well, we'll get to that because we haven't really talked much about Santiago. So we'll get, we'll get to Santiago uh, through this, this other part. So in the beginning of the episode, I love this beginning of this episode where Tammy is complaining. Her sister's coming to help out. She's going back to work today and her sister is coming to stay with them for a while and help out with Gracie while she's at work. And Tammy is complaining. Her sister's always late. This is so typical of her. She's so selfish uh, and of course, then the sister shows up and the the uh, greeting is amazing. It's just, a, I don't have a sister, but I, you know, I've seen it. And I think we even have that with our friends who we haven't seen. Like, this is so typical. And then, of course, they're like jumping up and down and they're so excited to see each other. Before this, uh, Coach Taylor opens his paycheck and it is missing quite a bit of funds. And she says, what did you talk about with Buddy? And he's like, well, I don't know. He just said it would be taken care of. And she's like, well, you better figure this out. Um. So the sisters ignite, you know, like, you know, reunite and they're so happy. Julie comes out. She's so excited to see her aunt who is talking about how Julie is so beautiful and she should, the boys must be lining up and, and the whole thing. And you can, they're setting the scene that you're going to have Julie love her aunt and think she's amazing. And of course, Julie and Tammy have had so many ups and downs already. And you can kind of see where this where this is all going. Uh, so Coach Taylor goes to Buddy's car dealership where he's having this, like, I, I didn't like this part. I've never liked this part of the episode. And I understand, like, it's a small town in, in Texas, and but, like, they're having, like, a, a hog, catch a hog. I know. Is that what it is? Like, I don't, I, don't, I mean, I just, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. For, it felt mean to the animal. Um, and we see Santiago, who Buddy has given him a job, uh, is the one catching the hog. I didn't like any of it. There's like nothing yeah, about this part yeah. of the episode. I don't, it makes me uncomfortable right, and just because you. I just, yeah, I just, I didn't like it at all. Um, but I think it's there for a reason and I get why it's there, but I don't like it. <laughs> so, uh, so there's that. That's there. So that's my feeling of that. So, so there's that. So, um, they go to talk about the paycheck and Buddy says, you know, we had to pay off McGregor and it wiped out the booster fund, and it's only temporary. But of course, like Buddy wouldn't bring this up when he's hiring him and hiring right. him back. <laughs> but but of course, it also is on Eric to just say, "I want to make sure that when I'm coming back, my you know my salary to save." And Eric goes, "I have a baby." Tammy wants to add a room to the house, and Buddy's response is, "That doesn't seem like good timing." Well, thanks, Buddy. <laughs> I need yeah. my check. Mm-hmm. So sorry, guys, I had to get a little sip of water there. So they have that conversation, but Buddy wants Santiago to play for the Panthers. He thinks mm-hmm. he can play tight end. And so he has him enroll in school and, you know, try out for the team. And he's never played football. So he's he certainly has talent. And you can see he's athletic, but, you know, he's never played football. So it's a very raw talent. And we see later in the episode Tim working with him because Lila and Lila asks him to do that. Uh, will you work with Santiago and try to show him a little bit of the ropes of football? So we see that at the end and coach Taylor comes out and sees him and it's Tim and I think smash. And then Tim says, does this mean I'm back on the team? And coach Taylor says, not even close, <laughs> not even close. Uh, but it's funny. Tim says to Santiago and we are seeing, and I think we've seen it, but continue to see Tim's feelings for Lila 
he says, in any way, shape, or form, are you trying to sleep with Lila Garrity? Uh-huh. And Santiago says, no, she's just my friend. And so that's why Tim's willing to help him because he wasn't going to help him if he was after right. Lila. So Tim loves Lila. He loves her. <laughs> <laughs> he loves her. Um, and I think Lila just might love Tim, but we'll see. <laughs> so we'll see what happens there. So um, Julie in this episode, I'm going to get to the big storyline. Don't worry. Just, I haven't missed it. I haven't forgotten stuff. I just like, you guys, I like to get all the storylines and then like end with the biggie. So Julie at a certain point comes the Alamo freeze and she, you know, I thought this was very big of her. She apologizes to Matt and she tells him he was right and all the things that he said and, and she'd like them to be friends. I thought that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it was nice. I, you know how I feel about Julie. <laughs> she's, oh, she's, I mean, she right now is. But I think we see in this moment a little bit of maturity. Yeah. And we also see her dad's back. Her aunt is there who's giving her all kinds of attention and positive attention. And she feels like a priority. Because I think one of the big things, of course, is that she has not felt like much of a priority with the baby and her dad being gone. And so all her mom's total focus is on Gracie. And – you know, I think we see quite a bit of that. And so we're starting to see a moment of maturity. Yeah. Um, and she's kind of the Julie, Julie we know, used to know, I guess. Yes. It's kind of returned is. a little. So it's kind of nice. It's like, welcome back, Julie. Like, I've been Yes, we're getting a little you. bit. There's still going to be some ups and downs, but she definitely is starting to be a little bit more like the Julie we know. Right. Uh, meanwhile, Matt has a new admirer. A, a girl who has just moved to Dillon and she's going to be a cheerleader, a Panther cheerleader. And she stops him in the hall just to introduce herself. I have to say this soon scene too. I was like, I mean, good for her because he's walking with like smash and a couple other players, of the team. And she's like, Hey Matt, I just want to introduce myself. I just moved here and I'm going to be a cheerleader and I'm really excited to cheer for you. And she, and it's like, I just was like, good for her. I mean, cause like with all his friends there, it felt like a little embarrassing, but it was great. It worked out. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> was, I was like, good for you, young Panther cheerleader. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> she saw what she wanted and she went for it. And I give her props on that one. I liked it. Uh, so she does that. So at the end of Jason Street's party, Tyra and Julie are leaving the party and, t- and Julie sees Matt and the new girl kissing in the car and she gets mm-hmm. very upset. So Tyra... Uh, suggest they get a vat of ice cream and watch Thelma and Louise and cry. And I thought, actually, that sounded really fun. (laughs) That's, I mean, ice cream and crying. It's good. Yeah. I mean, I was like, that actually doesn't sound like the worst way to spend an evening. (laughs) Sounds super fun. (laughs) Thelma and Louise and ice cream and and crying felt fair. Um, So that was, so that was that. All right. Am I, before I get into Landry, was there anything I forgot or did I cover it all, Steph? I feel like you got everything. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, I think you've got everything. I was just going to say, like, when you know that Friday Night Lights has that one scene that kind of leaves a lump in your throat. And the Every one, episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, everyone. <laughs> everyone. And the scene that got me this week was when Street decides to quit again. And then the coach just, like, accepts it yes. just so tenderly like uh, as if it were his own son like he gets it you know so I was just like oh 
<laughs> the lump came back. So no. I don't know. I just well, thought that I'm was so great. And I'm glad you brought that up because when he, and now that we're talking about it, I might cry. But when Jason says to him, he's not going to do it. And he says, I hope I haven't let you down. Mm-hmm. And Coach Taylor says to him, you could never let me down. I hope mm-hmm. I didn't let you down. And that just breaks my heart because there's so much said there in just that one line. Because I do think Coach Taylor, and they don't talk about it that much in the show, but there are like little things that happen. And he, I think, does in his mind, I don't, it's not his fault. It was an right. it was a terrible accident. It was a terrible tragedy. But I don't think Coach Taylor, the way his character is presented to us and the person he is and the coach that he is, I don't think that there's any way he doesn't feel some responsibility, even though he's absolutely not responsible. But yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, how could you not? No, exactly. And I mean, I, you know, I mean, working in law, <laughs> you know, I, mm-hmm. I can tell you so many issues that it's, it's not, but the law is not about fault, but like, it's just unfortunate accidents and things that happen and there, it's usually not anyone's fault. Like it's no right. one's doing it on purpose. But so it's like a different situation between liability and whether or not there somebody's at fault. You know, so mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. you have to kind of like weigh that line. And I think that you know he kind of he, Jason wanted it just to be gone and be done with, but. There, you know, the, he's gonna have to live the rest of his life, and there could be, you know, and I think that it's hard not to feel responsible, even if you didn't do anything wrong. I know that I, yeah. I can totally feel that a lot of times. Like if I feel like somebody's just been damaged in any way, I feel like I'm, you know, at fault. So it's it's hard. It's a hard emotion. It is, and I think it's something. And we saw it in season one early on with Tim. He felt responsible. Mm-hmm. He thought that he didn't you know, block correctly and he felt responsible and, and nobody was. Buddy also, I'm glad you also brought this up, says something during the birthday party that I also hate. But it's amazing how many things in this episode I don't like that Buddy's involved in. <laughs> and I do love Buddy because I do think he's a great character. Um, and we're going to see him really grow too over the next several episodes. But he says he makes a comment about how if things had gone differently, Lila would be rich. And I hated that too. I was I like, know. and so does Lila. Yeah. <laughs> Dad, like what is the matter with you? But, um, yeah, I hated that comment. But, buddy, God bless him. He's a very complicated man, that buddy, Garrity. He's he's like we've talked before. He's a lot like Tim. He has a good heart and he means well. But sometimes he just he yeah. just makes really bad decisions. Um, yeah. And he has, in this current moment in time, we've seen him. Those decisions have, have caught up to him. Yeah. Uh, so the big, huge storyline. So uh, Landry's dad is at work. At the police station, a couple of detectives are talking about the case of, you know, the man that was murdered. And they've brought a a cop in from Midland, a detective in from Midland to help out with the investigation, who makes a comment to him about how well Landry played. And it's interesting, Landry's dad said, well, I don't want him to get a big head. He still has a long way to go. Um, And then they talk about the investigation and they say that on the clothes, there were fibers from the car and they the guy says, you know, the killer probably doesn't know when he was taking the victim out of the car that he was taking fibers, you know, from the seats. And 
Landry's dad says, what kind of car? And it was a GMC made, I believe, between the years 1975 and 1978, Mm. which matches the car that Landry drives. So his dad starts, and, and they already have a conversation earlier in the show, and he Landry's not hungry, and his dad says, you haven't been hungry for a week. What's going on? And you know, he says Tyra broke up with him, and he's devastated, and he's really upset about it. And I think his dad, I think before, felt that Tyra had done something and kind of right. dragged Landry into it, and that maybe Tyra had killed this guy and Landry near, et cetera. But now when he hears that, he's starting to put together. And I think when he sees how upset Landry is, I think he also realizes that Landry would do anything for Tyra. Right. Literally anything as we saw. And so between the two things, I think his dad really like puts it together. And Landry comes home one night and he says to him, you know, he kind of gives him the information about what they said about the car. And Landry said, well, there's got to be a lot of cars like that. And his dad says to him, you need to tell me, you have to start being honest with me now. And Landry tells him what happened. And I just, you can see his dad, it's like he started to know it, but he didn't want to know it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's kind of that shock because he really wanted to blame Tyra. Yeah, And it wasn't, it wasn't Tyra. And it was self-defense. I do go back to the, I know what you did last summer. Like, why didn't you just call the police? It was total self-defense. There was already a record that he had tried to assault her, like all these things. Um. But they didn't because I guess that doesn't make for nearly as good of television drama as this whole situation. So they drive and they set his car on fire. Yeah. And that is like, yeah, I mean, they're destroying evidence. I know. It's even worse. <laughs> they're destroying evidence. Um, and the guy who plays Landry's dad, I don't know if you ever watched 24, but he played a Secret Service agent on 24 and he was just fantastic is that secret service agent. I love this actor. And he always plays characters that I really like. Uh, And I get, you know, the dad, I get it. Like his son, he's now like, what am I going to do? And I have to save my son. And we will see how this all plays out. And actually, it's really funny, you guys. I was watching last night. I was like, I I know how it ends, but I can't remember how they got there. So I'm very curious to watch the next episode because I I can't remember how they they get there. I feel Um, so sorry for Landry, though, because – I get he made a mistake, but at any point you can stop digging. You know, that's kind of how I feel. And Mm -hmm. it bugs me that the parent, who's a cop, you know, like, uh that he gets him in even deeper. Like, hey, now's the time to come clean, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like he's like such a good kid. You know, kind of just like this corny goofball, you know, sweet and, you know, nature. Yes, very sweet. Um, that we love, you know, that, you know, dorky, cute, like, you know, all that stuff. But he's kind of evolved and into this because that is a heavy, heavy weight. Like, you know, you can imagine and they keep digging into it. So it's like one more thing to cover up and one more thing to... And so it kind of, I, I don't know, it's just troubled because he's obviously not a killer. He just made a very bad mistake. And But in self, you know, well, yeah. maybe he wasn't in self-defense, but he saw someone he cared about in trouble. And that guy, you know, the guy was a terrible guy and he would have, he would have killed Tyra. Right. And guy, so I, think I don't think easy, that was know? necessarily the mistake. It was that they lied about it and covered it up. Yes, fair. Okay, good point. Yes, that was that's where and that's, that's where we got into. I know what you did last summer, <laughs> yeah. but that is that is the mistake where they got they're young, right. they got scared, and you know it's interesting because in last week's episode we talked a little about this last week with Tyra. 
you know, those detectives are looking at her file Mm -hmm. and kind of making those snide comments about her. And it a little bit, and I don't know if that was like also by design where they were like, we've got to kind of give the audience a reason to believe that they'd be too scared to call the police. But, you know, it is kind of an interesting situation because it does give you a little context on maybe why they would be. Because, you know, they're looking at her file and they're saying, oh, public drunkenness and the sister's a stripper and oh, she's right, a real right. upstanding citizen. And they're making these assumptions and comments about her really unfairly. And so it does, you know, you can understand you have these like two 16-year-old kids who have now been through a total trauma and just freak out. Yeah. And you know, it's hard to know what you would do in a situation, but you can kind of see how they would freak out. But then, as you said, his dad, who's the cop, um, now comes in and kind of kind of makes it worse. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll see how we will see how it plays out. But it he's the one now making like his mistake, I think, is worse because he should know better. That's how I feel like that's. <laughs> And, and he's not in the heat of the moment. He like made a calculate, you know, like, okay, you know, so, and I get it like protecting your children, but you're, that's going to pay a cost. I mean, you know, to your kid, whether Mm -hmm. you like it or not. And they did do something wrong. So own up to the, to the small thing they did, you know, not that it's small, small, but he's not a killer, you know, I guess that's my point. And that, you know, but they did cover it up and just get out of it. And uh, that's just kind of how I feel, but I get it. It's TV and uh, <laughs> it is, it's TV. I just, it like, is, I just it's, don't like how he's changing. He's turning into like this, you know, instead of being a fun, easygoing, you know, lovable, he's just stressed, you know, to the max. Yeah. And it is, you know, I go back to what I said before the season started. My like warning to everyone was when in real time, this was the season where they were trying to up the ratings. And mm-hmm. this was they this storyline was like meant to be the drama <laughs> uh, that upped the ratings. So like you see all these things happen. But, you know, in reality, you're a hundred percent right. If Landry and his father went to the station and his father said, like, here's what happened. I mean, his dad is he's a cop there. They're upstanding manners, members of the community. The man who was killed was Right. Really, really, really bad guy. And you can't take justice in your own hands. But he was literally assaulting her as this was happening. And, you know, it's just it is when they go to set the car on fire. And I remember when I first watched this all those years ago being like, oh, come on. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't do it. Talk about the law. Right now. <laughs> working you would have a hard time with this one if your client was like, well, yeah. And then we caught, when then we set the car on fire, right? It's you'd like, be like oh dear Lord. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be like, stop talking. I actually don't want to know anymore as your lawyer. I want no more information from you. Thank you very much. Um, so, uh, so there's that. So that is what we have for that episode of Friday night lights. There's a lot of, um, things that happen in these coming episodes that I'm excited for everybody yeah, me too. to see. Uh, it's good. Cause how far ahead are you, are you Steph? I'm done now. I've With been. all of them? Yeah. All yep. five seasons? Yep. Oh, look at you. Couldn't be prouder. <laughs> Couldn't be prouder. So and I happy. wish there were more. I, I do. I, I, but it's been fun. And uh, I got to the point where I was just binging them and I was like, I love it. I want to know oh, what's Michael, next. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan. 
come through. I know. I think, and we still have miles to go on that, so I don't want to ruin anything, but I think those seasons are my favorite seasons. But Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, but we'll talk about more as we get there. I'm afraid if I, like, say anything else and I'll, like, give something big away. But, um, yeah, I think – I kind of think they are. But we'll get there. And we'll get there kind of soon because, as we know, there's not – you know, there's not – I think it's 15 episodes this season because of the writer's strike that year and then the rest are 13. Uh So – yeah, they do go. They do go really fast. Uh, so, so there's that. So that is where we are with Friday Night Lights. We're heading into Week 13 of the NFL. Uh, to me, I'm just very curious also to see how these next few weeks go. Obviously, not just from the the games standpoint and how everything shakes out in the playoff picture, but you know we are in cold and flu season on top of everything else. And how will that affect things? Are there going to be more situations like? this Raven Steelers game um, and let's, you know, kind of see what happens. I'm interested to see how the 49ers do in a new stadium and, and with all that kind of upheaval um, and, and what that does. So lots of interesting things on the horizon, but before we go, Steph, we have to, of course, do fangirl says who's hot, who's not. <laughs> all right so my who's hot and this is i love this i loved everything about it was sarah fuller the vanderbilt yes. kicker um or, you know she became the first woman to play in a power five school so mm-hmm. that's so awesome to me and i loved every minute of it so she is so hot she's my who's hot uh, my who's not hot is gonna go to the Detroit Lions, Brass, Matt, Patricia, at all, who all got canned. So mm-hmm. they just aren't hot. And I feel bad. No. But, you know, it is. Oh, no, don't it's... feel bad. They were very not hot. And I feel like they've had a lot of opportunities to get hotter. Yeah, they did. And they continued to get really cold. And a lot of. <laughs> A lot of coaches, they're out and they're out for good. So I, I kind of feel like, well, he had it. I mean, he had adequate time. He did. Now we'll see if um, Robert Sala maybe ends up. You think that? Alliance. Oh. I think it's a, I think it's a definite possibility, uh, hmm. and I think they'd be lucky to have him, and it would be a huge loss to San yes. Francisco. But. Nonetheless, it would be a big thing for him. But we will see how that all plays out. Okay, so my who's hot since you took Sarah Fuller, which I'm going to oh, who's sorry. hot on. Oh, I, you don't have to apologize because she's super hot. And so I'm going to give her – I'm just going to say that I would also say she's super hot. But since since you got Sarah, and that is totally fair, I am going to go with some of these NFL social media teams because these are difficult oh. times. And I do think they've done a really, really good job. The Cardinals last night – um, the four hours had tweeted, like we're heading home. And then they tweeted, and by home, we mean state Farm stadium. We've always, we have always liked the color scheme, which was very <laughs> cute. And then the Cardinals tweeted that and said, just a few rules of the house. If you have any food, put your name on it, or I'm throwing it out and don't ever, ever, ever touch our drum set. Like it was very, there's been like a lot of, you, you gotta enjoy the fun in this. Yeah. You gotta kind of make the light of those situations, which I thought was great. And again, the Broncos really did an awesome job. Um, so I'm going to go with that on they get to be hot. And then my new, my who's not hot is uh, the defensive assistant from the Philadelphia Eagles who thought it was a really awesome idea <laughs> to tell DK Metcalf that he played with Megatron and he's not there yet. And DK Metcalf was like, hold my beer, buddy. <laughs> I am going <laughs> to make so good. 
It was so good. And I'm going to give DK Metcalf from social media props because someone tweeted that that happened and then he retweeted it with the Michael Jordan um, <laughs> meme that says, and I took offense to that. And I thought every, and you know, it's not easy for me to have any Seahawks, anything in the who's hot, but I'm giving that to DK Metcalf. I, or the new, the who's not hot is the uh, Philadelphia assistant, but I'm going to, I'm adding, you know what? I'm going to, social media is my hot because DK Metcalf was great yeah, on the true. field and on social media. Uh, and it's hard for me to praise anything Seahawks, but <laughs> I had to do it. But also like, it, you know, it kind of goes back to last week. I was thinking about this when talking about John Harbaugh kind of getting into it with an opposing player. How about his coaches? And I'm just going to throw this out as an idea, but how about his coaches? You don't do that. Players. Right trash talk players troll each other i think that's part of the game that's the fun of the game that's motivational it gives them like chip on their shoulder totally get that but as the coaches do you think maybe maybe we could bring that in guys i'm gonna throw that out there yeah that's i think my- that they should be up to a higher standard i mean at least you would expect that you would <laughs> expect that you know richard sherman said the other day that robert Soller, he's he rallies men that's right a coach that's a leader so trolling the other players, not cool. Now, could you imagine yeah. Robert Sala walking up to DK Metcalf and be like, you ain't Megatron yet. Are you, no. Are you serious? Like what? <laughs> also like the Eagles, are you, are you serious? Have you seen your record and the way you play football? It's Thanks. just unprofessional. Like <laughs> It is I, very unprofessional. I just couldn't imagine, you know, being at that level, you know, that high, you know, of, I just can't imagine talking to anyone like that. Nope, I completely, completely agree with you. So there's that. And with that, my friends, <laughs> we will bid you adieu. Uh, next week, we will be talking all about week 13. We'll see how kind of everything goes and uh, lots to discuss so much. And then, of course, Friday Night Lights, we will be into episode seven of season two. So we're moving right along. Uh, and in the meantime, if you guys could go ahead and leave us a five star review, we would be really, really appreciative. Uh, And other than that, see you next time. Bye, Seth. Bye, all. All right, bye. Sports Opinions with a Side of Satire. We're the First and Tens, a weekly show delivering the spiciest opinions on football, life, and especially each other. And we can do that because we've been best friends for so long. I'm Amy. And I'm Jasmine. First and Tens will bring you sports from the female perspective while also injecting pop culture, fashion, and music into our daring dialogue. We're saucy, edgy, and most of all, we We think think we're we're funny funny AF. First and Tens, light on stats, heavy on sass. Follow us at firstandtenspodcast.com.